We were persuaded by the anguished cries of solopreneurs wanting something for them because they could see how powerful uh, our product was, but we kind of lost our way by trying to focus on them instead of sticking with our core customers. I'm Pep Lamb. I don't do fluff. I don't do filler. I don't do emojis. What I do is study winners in B2B SaaS because I want to know how much is strategy, how much is luck, and how do they win. This week, Clayt Mask, CEO of Keep, marketing automation and CRM platform for a small business. Clay talks about how Keep found the right customers, why he combines software with services, and how Keep evolved its marketing. Let's get into it. We were dealing with the chaos that is very common among small business owners. We were struggling to keep up doing a lot of things manually, working leads manually, doing sales work manually, handling internal processes manually, and struggling to keep pace with it. We recognized there was a need for a more efficient way to do things. We started to do that in our business. And then we started to realize, hey, we should take this to other small businesses that are dealing with the same chaos. We began serving customers that were like us, that were in that chaos and wanted to find the freedom and the growth and the profit that was eluding them. It's one of the classic stories. We created something for ourselves that really worked. And then we just developed a lot of passion to share that with growing small businesses all over. Once you cross the first 1 million in revenue threshold on your way to uh, 10 million and beyond, did the target customer change or is it still the same today? From 1 to 10 million, it probably went up a little bit. When we started with new business, we started to recognize, no, they, they need to have some revenue. Once they hit six figures where they've got 100,000 or so, now they're starting to have things slip through the cracks. They're starting to feel the pains and the mistakes and they're feeling egg on their face with their customers and missed opportunities and the team's not working well together. All those problems that start to happen don't really manifest until you've got a business that's going. The more that we were seeing customers feel that acute pain, the more it moved us up market to a customer that was 500,000 or a million in, in sales, sometimes two or three million. It stayed that way until probably 20 million or so. And then it started to come down a little bit because 90% of small businesses are solopreneurs and they wanted a, a lighter solution. But in the one to 10, I would say that the ICP actually moved to a slightly bigger small business. As you were targeting the small businesses, how did your acquisition channels evolve over time? We were very partner oriented till 10 million. And then from 10 to 30 million, we began to do a lot of digital marketing, a lot of educational content, and that became very important for us. It was interesting because when we got to about 30 million, that run from 30 to 100 million, it was a combination of both of those things. We started to do much more with partners again, but we also continued to invest heavily into digital marketing and educational content. But when you say you were partner heavy, what did that look like? It was working with partners who had large lists of customers, prospects that may be a good fit for us, doing events with them, co-sponsoring different things that they were doing, speaking at their events. It was a lot of partner event orientation in that one to 10 million phase. So partners plus events were kind of the, the trick for us in that stage. When you got started, there weren't even many email marketing automation tools around. And, right. and today, it's one of the largest categories of all time. Yep. And your product has also come from a point solution to 
it's a platform right now. Right. You can do so many things. So tell me about a time when you decided that, hey, we need to become more than a point solution. As we were taking Infusionsoft into the market as the leader of small business marketing automation, it was a pretty new category, like you said. And there was upmarket and mid-market solutions, but we established our, ourselves as the leader in small business marketing automation. The platform had a lot of capabilities, and yet we got to a certain stage as we began approaching 100 million where the market wanted something lighter, easier. And this was a strategic mistake for us as we got away from our real core of who we serve and tried to do a slice of what we did with just marketing automation for a smaller business. And that really wasn't a good move for us. What had happened was we built the most robust automation platform that was being used primarily as marketing automation. But when you really dig in and talk to our customers and partners who are the most successful, they were using our automation platform across their, their entire business. So a mistake that we made was trying to do less and go and get that less sophisticated solopreneur that wasn't yet at 100,000 in sales. These small businesses, they're very price sensitive. So your average order value is low and churn is high. Yes. And they are not yet dealing with the chaos that comes from a growing business. The, the problem that we solve is that chaos that exists when your business is growing, you're having success. And now things are slipping through the cracks. Now you're starting to drop the ball. The fires are happening and it's keeping you up at night. It's causing the business owner to get pulled back into issues. It's causing team members to be frustrated. It's causing a lot of inefficiencies. And that doesn't happen when you don't have a growing business. The thing that we had to get clear on was what's the problem we really solve? And then that led us to what's the right solution to provide for the right customer. And how did you decide? We talked to our customers and our partners who are the most successful. We really honed in on that ICP and said, you know what? It's an automation platform, not just a marketing automation platform. When you do just marketing automation, you're actually creating more chaos in a growing business. It, it's nice at first because it creates some efficiencies. You're like, hey, this is great. We're doing some lead collection and conversion. But then pretty soon it starts to lead to a bunch of client fulfillment issues, a bunch of internal process issues, a bunch of stepping on toes. We went out and we talked to our customers and listened very closely and looked at competitors. We said, okay, we see how we're different. And we see that it's more of a business automation solution. We need to take that to the market and differentiate from all of the marketing automation competitors that are out there. Today, when I go to your website, you call yourself a business CRM. Mm -hmm. Is that different from the business automation? No, a lot of people search for CRM and think CRM, but it's all about business automation. In 2019, you renamed the business to Keep. Uh, why did that come about? We wanted an easier name. Infusionsoft is a mouthful. We wanted to indicate to the market the simplicity that we were moving to because we did need to simplify things. There was a newer, more modern, more simplified approach that we needed to take. And so that, that's what we built. All of that power that existed with Infusionsoft and then some but in a more modern, simplified experience for customers. Ease and simplicity, that was the driving force and differentiating from the marketing automation and the complexity of the past. How much do you look at the competition? I would say that we don't look at it as much as the average company does. We're, we're clear about our customer. We're clear about the problem we solve. We don't obsess over what other people are doing. We believe that success is about what we're doing and you win by focusing on your customer, not focusing on your competitor. 
Jeff Bezos has famously said, don't worry about your competitors, worry about your customers. The company is, is very healthy financially. Um, we're, 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 we're doing very well. And it's, it's an outcome of customer obsession. So, you know, when, when we were Amazon.toast, that was because Barnes & Noble had, you know, this was, we only had 100 and, right. when we were declared Amazon.toast, I think we had 150 employees. Barnes & Noble had 30,000 employees. And somebody wrote an article that said, you know, Amazon has had a great two-year run, but now the big boys have shown up, and they're going to steamroll them. And, you know, we had an all-hands meeting. I called all 150 employees together, and I said, look, because everybody's worried about it. They just, every employee has read the Amazon.toast article. Every mother of every employee has read the Amazon.toast article and <laughs> has father, called and said, your father and mother who live here you, in New York. Yeah, are you okay? Yeah. And so we had an all-hands meeting, and I said, look, um, you should wake up worried, terrified every morning, but don't be worried about our competitors because they're never going to send us any money anyway. Let's be worried about our customers and stay heads down focused. And so I, you know, there, these are big, most of these are big markets. Another way to answer your, your question about com competitors and Walmart is to say, look, they can succeed fabulously and it won't stop us from succeeding. And is today's ICP still the small business trying to figure out how to scale? Our target market is a million dollar business with 10 employees. We serve six, seven, and eight figure businesses. So once they've crossed that 100,000 threshold, up to 10 million and beyond. Those are our customers. For them, a HubSpot or a Salesforce is overkill. A MailChimp just doesn't do it. A basic CRM doesn't do it. They want automation and they're looking for the efficiencies and benefits, not just the business changing impact, but the life changing impact for the business owner and the employees. Often when companies raise money, there's some pressure from VCs to go up mark, charge more money. Did you have any pressure from your investors? We actually went down market. I wish we would have had a little more pressure <laughs> because it was a really bad move for us. And generally what I would tell people is if you look at successful SaaS companies, they all drift upward over time. Mm -hmm. and some move very rapidly. We didn't want to do that. And we don't want to do that. We stick to our knitting, which is small business. But there's a difference between the 90% of small businesses that are struggling solopreneurs versus the 10% that are serious. That's the reality, looking at the U.S. Census Bureau data and extrapolating it across other countries. The reality is that 90% of small businesses are solopreneurs. They're just figuring it out and they don't have a real business yet. They've got a job replacement and that's not our customer. And so we were persuaded by the anguished cries of solopreneurs wanting something for them because they could see how powerful our, our product was but we kind of lost our way by trying to focus on them instead of sticking with our core customers. So we're back to that core customer. This ideal customer profile, like I said, is a million and 10 employees, but we've got lots of customers that are above 10 million. The law of numbers is that most of our customers are between 100,000 and a million, but certainly 100,000 to 10 million is the range that we generally play in. You can't win at every customer segment as the needs of these customer groups are very different. They have different problems and they buy differently. You can go after SMBs or the meat market or the enterprise, everything is fine. The opposite of a great strategy is another great strategy. Focus on your core ICP at least until the first 10 million in revenue. 
Keep is doing over 100 million in revenue and is still focused on the same ICP. What channels are working for you today to acquire new customers? Partners, events, and continuing to do educational marketing. So not much has changed over the decades. No, for all the change that's out there, small businesses still look to experts and advisors and people that can point them in the right direction. They don't have time to go put out an RFP and spend a bunch of time just figuring out what the right technology is for their business. We have a lot of partnerships. We have a lot of events that we do or that we sponsor. And then we do a lot of educational marketing. We have a, a Keep Academy that does a lot of teaching about how to solve the chaos in small business. We have a proprietary method for how any company can find the low-hanging fruit in terms of the top three things they should be automating in their business that will provide more growth and freedom in the business. We do a lot of that teaching and consultative work. There have been a, a lot of companies who went after the same customers as you that are not as successful and maybe even folded. What did you do differently? Why did you succeed when other companies did not? We recognize that technology alone is not the answer. You need a combination of software, strategy, and services. And when you look at a lot of those companies, it was like, hey, we're going to create this piece of software and it's going to change everything. And we're not going to have a service team and a support team. And that doesn't work, not in small business. And so what happens is people will either move out of this space because they don't want to do the service and support work that's needed to help customers be successful, or they go up where they can get paid for that at a more acceptable market rate, or they will just try to put the tool out there and it causes all kinds of service problems. We've embraced the service that customers need. We've created a strategy. It's essentially a bit of a consulting practice within a software company to teach small businesses how to identify the low-hanging fruit that needs to be automated to create more growth and freedom in the business. That's something that you got to get into the trenches with the customer on. Of course, our partners do that as well, but we have a proprietary method we created years ago that works really well for identifying the low-hanging fruit. You guys are in a very competitive category, yet on your website, the way you describe your business is a very, uh, let's say, generic way. You describe the basic problems your product solves where your customers are probably talking about the very same things, automate and send messages on time and personalize and things like that. So where in your customer acquisition process do you focus on differentiation? Like why choose you over alternatives? Yeah, it's through the educational marketing as you come into our funnels and engage with our sales team, our Keep Academy, where we're doing the education, that's where we do the differentiation. It's just about helping them see that they can do what they want to do. The bottom line is business owners and small businesses, the team members, they're in it because they want to create more freedom and more profit and more impact for their customers. And yet as the business grows, they find that those benefits are very elusive. And when processes and systems are off and when there's imbalance across the company, when there's too much emphasis on growth and not enough on profit, when there's the imbalance of personal and business life that every entrepreneur experiences, all of these things get in the way and cause business owners and their teams to not get what they thought they were going to get when they started their business in the first place. Sometimes it's really tricky because they think, gosh, we got 10, 12, 15 employees and the business owner is frustrated because he or she was making more when they were 
two or three employees, there's all kinds of problems and issues. It's a systems problem and it's an automation solution, but you don't tend to recognize that right up front. You just see the pains and problems you're dealing with. And so for us, it's less about differentiation, honestly, and more about helping them see the causes of what they're dealing with. And most of all, helping them recognize, I could solve this. There's a way to do this. You just need a, a process and a partner and a way to move forward. You mentioned how important support, even consulting and, and education are to your business. Yet when you're targeting small business, you're not charging them that much money. So right. how do the unit economics work out here? This is why people don't really set up camp in this segment of the market, because it's much more financially viable and profitable to move up to bigger businesses. What we do for small businesses is more of a mid-market solution. But our purpose is to liberate and empower entrepreneurs to strengthen families, communities, and economies. We're very passionate about what we do, and we see how impactful it is when you help these growing small businesses. The, the ripple effect is just incredible. But you also have to make the business work. And the way that we make the business work is a combination of services and software or subscription. If a customer comes in and they do it for a couple months and they're like, oh, this doesn't work for me. Well, we lose money on that. That's not a good thing for us. So we need to help the customer understand this will be transformational for your business and for your personal life, by the way, because you, when you put automation in the business, it creates all kinds of time savings and more money and, and more control and freedom. But they've got to be committed to it. Sometimes people will look at our prices and they'll be like, that's really expensive for small business. Well, not for a serious small business. We're serious automation for serious businesses. And a serious business doesn't blanch at a few hundred bucks and $500,000 of an implementation package to get started. That's a small price to pay for the freedom that we can deliver. How much is all of this enabled? You guys have a wide reach of customers. You've grown to, I don't know if you can call it economies of scale already. Maybe the margin per customer is not huge, but you have a lot of them. Yes, that you've got to get to that scale. We have some economies of scale that make it possible for us to serve small businesses without them having to break the bank. What are some of the strategic bets you've made over the years that just did not work out? One was to create a free product and a light product for solopreneurs. That was a disaster. You can hear, I hope, I think the audience can hear the passion that we have for small businesses. And when we looked at it and said, well, gosh, if 80 to 90% of them are solopreneurs, depending on which stats you believe, we've got to serve them. And we learned that they don't have their products, their pricing. They don't have enough of that figured out yet. They don't have enough customers to where they're starting to drop the ball. They don't have enough prospects coming in to where optimizing their conversion is a really big deal. They don't have enough raw material, frankly, to fashion into great success. So as much as it pains us, we had to come to the conclusion that that struggling solopreneur is not our customer. We, we do have some solopreneurs in our customer base, but they're serious solopreneurs. They're doing six figures or something close, and they've got contractors, different folks that they're working with. And that customer can be successful with our entry-level product, but trying to do what we did and in investing a few years and hundreds of millions of dollars, trying to serve that customer. That's how big of a mess it was. That didn't go over so well in the boardroom. And so the free to paid upgrade percentage was just too Abys low to abysmal. support the cost. That's yeah. right. And what happens is they think everything should be free. They don't realize that what we actually provide to our core customers should cost tens of thousands of dollars. If you go get this from a service partner with HubSpot, 
you're going to pay tens of thousands of dollars. We know because we have partners who do it for HubSpot and for us. We know what this costs. But if you came in and you think I got this free tool or this light tool for 29 bucks a month, and now I've got to get some services and it's going to cost $1,000, this is highway robbery. Uh, it yeah. just, it's oh. a disconnect. Also using up your su support yes. resources. Right. Looking back at your 20 plus years of building this company, what are your top three pieces of advice for fellow B2B SaaS founders? Number one would be partners, partners, partners. How you do it right is you find partners that are serving your ideal customer profile and you find ways you can serve them. You find ways to make it great for them. And I think this is where people go wrong is they try to do a partnership that's going to be great for their own company, which it should. Or they go to the next step and say, let's make this great for our mutual customer. And that's good. That's important too. Those are both necessary, but they're not sufficient. Great partnerships come because you're doing something that makes it amazing for your partner. And that's where more time needs to be spent to do partners right. Number two would be there's a reason to move up market gradually. I say gradually because if you go too fast, you tend to bump into two problems. You're not ready to take on the kind of customer when you move up market too fast. And two, you might lose yourself and your soul in the process. Um, and when I say soul, I mean your company's ethos. For us, we serve small businesses, so we don't want to move up to the mid-market. We won't do that. That's just not who we are. But even more subtly, you get good at serving a certain kind of customer. And if you move too quickly, A, you may be ill-equipped to serve them, but you might move away from some of the things that make you great. And number three, I would say, don't be so quick to take all the touch out of your customer interaction. There's a popular trend to try to improve your gross margins, improve your profitability, take all of the touch out of the experience. I think that's a mistake. I think that the best SaaS companies have a pretty good service offering that they've wrapped around the, the product. I don't think we should be afraid of that. You're not going to make good margins on the services, obviously, but it helps to drive up customer success and preserve and protect the, the good margins on the sub software subscription. So how did Keep win? One, they embraced partner-oriented growth strategy. Working with partners who had large lists of customers, prospects that may be a good fit for us, doing events with them, sponsoring different things that they were doing, speaking at their events. Two, they figured out the best ICP for their business and built the business around their needs. This ideal customer profile, like I said, is a million and 10 employees. Three, they provided a human touch along with software. We recognize that technology alone is not the answer. You need a combination of software, strategy, and services. And that's how you win. In Pay Plan. For more tips on how to win, follow me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Thanks for listening.